welcome to Oprah Third Podcast. We're an Australian netball podcast on the Edge of the Crowds Podcast Network. My name is Sarah and I'm hosting once again today and I'm joined by Dan as always and Ellie's back. How are you, Ellie? And do the birdies want to keep losing close ones to the Vixens? Was that hard to watch? It was. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to watch the um, birdies again. Um, obviously, I think it's like the fourth time I've seen them live this year, including Team Girls Cup, which is a new record. Um, but yeah, I think I just want to beat the Vixens because it's <laughs> one of my sister's teams and I'm currently... So she goes for both Collingwood and Vixens. Um, Are you 0-4 this year against them, including Team Girls? I think so. I think, yeah. So um, yeah, living with my sister hasn't been fun, um, especially when she goes and goes and decides that um, her team is going to lose. So then she rubs it in even more when um, they end up with it beating the Firebirds. So another very exciting clash in this household again this week with Magpies playing Firebirds. Did it hurt that it wasn't even Rani Samuelson this time doing the damage? Yes. (laughs) We can forgive Rani Samuelson, but we, yeah, no, when it's not her. (laughs) And Dan, how was your weekend? You were at the uh, Derby? I I was, and um, I think we'll get into that at the end of our power five, but that was another game where I left the stadium with ringing ears because um, the crowd in Ken Roswell is so loud and they do love to boo the umpires. That's something that I've noticed this year. They are more than happy to, regardless of which Sydney team's playing, they'll boo if they don't like That's, the call. It did look like a really rowdy crowd on the TV. I was watching um, from home and, yeah, it certainly did seem like the crowd had a bit to say about a few things happening. Well, yeah, I mean, Lauren Moore had a bit to say about Paige Hadley's eyebrows as well. So, you know. <laughs> yes, we did find a, a Hadley Potter or a Harry Potter or whatever you want to, whatever combination of names you want to give her. Um, but she did end up with a cut above her eye that did require a little bit of attention in the fourth quarter. So, um, but we will get into that, I'm sure, when you have a few words on the Derby. So uh, we did have the Vixens. If we jump into our Power 5, we did have the Vixens by two over the Firebirds. The Thunderbirds back on the winner's list, yay, um, <laughs> with a seven-point win over the Lightning. Beaver, they found a way in Perth. They took home a five-point win over the Magpies. And then to round out round eight, it was the Sydney Derby. So, um Anything to say about the first three matches? Because I know Dan's got a bit on the derby, but we'll go with everything else first. Sarah, can we have an ode to Shamira quickly after that performance? <laughs> I know. Honestly, it's every week she's just amazing, but this week we finally like were able to make it worth it. Um, and it's only because we could convert better that we won that game because 40 penalties more than the Lightning. <laughs> Nine more turnovers than the Lightning. Uh, 12 less shots on goal than the Lightning. And yet somehow the Thunderbirds won. So, yes. At least least four of those shots that the Lightning had didn't leave the hands. They got blocked that quickly. Like How incredible. There was like a series there in that first, I think it was first quarter, end of the first quarter, first power five of the match. They bring on Riley Batchador thinking like, this is going to solve all the issues. And then it's just like, block, block. <laughs> we love Shamira. I <laughs> will get to it later in the episode, but I think that's the lightning's problem is how that that happens like that. But 
Ellie, I know you don't want to talk about Vixen's Firebirds, but I think we have to because that was a seesawing clash with about 10 minutes to go. I had Firebirds upset as my headline and then it was Vixen's steel victory and then it was Firebirds escape with win and then it was Vixen's comeback because it changed four or five times last seven or eight minutes in the back and forth. It was incredible to watch. Yeah, so what I'm taking from that is you jinxed us and that's why we lost. I rewrote my match report three times and you're going to say that I jinxed you. Come on, try again. (laughs) Um, No, but it was, yeah, it was a great clash to watch. Um, And I think especially, so the last time, um, yeah, so I went with my family and the last time my mum watched the Firebirds was obviously the round one game against the Vixens. And I think, just seeing her perspective from that game in round one and that game in round round eight has been like a massive difference. Um, Danelle Wallum looks more at home, um, but it's it was just the errors in the front line. Like Greta Buweather did cough up a few footwork calls, and um, there was just a few loose balls going over the sidelines or loose balls that um, that um, the likes of Joe Weston were able to pick up, but. Um, yeah, it was well. Full credit to the Vixens because they absolutely killed it in that last quarter. In that um last quarter, but yeah, disappointing for the Firebirds. It was interesting. It was the first time that we've really seen Ruby Bakewell Doran whistled up um, in the way that she was whistled up this week. I mean, she's been very good at avoiding the penalties, but that was not the case in the second half on Saturday. It did kind of make a difference. Yeah, and I think it was a similar story in round one, except it was Kim Jenner. Um, but Kim Jenner draws a lot of penalties in general. So I wonder if there's a thing about thing correlation with um, the, playing the Vixens and, I don't know, just drawing more penalties um, that way. Or, yeah, it was just an off game in terms of penalties. And we'd be remiss to talk, not talk about the other thriller that, I mean, I know the scoreboard says it was five, but it it, it was, was much, much closer, closer than that, Sarah, wasn't it? Oh, it was much closer than that. The Fever did manage to find a way to almost escape that one, I'm going to say, because they they were really challenged by the Magpies and the Magpies were super impressive for three quarters and probably 12 minutes of that one. It may be even more, honestly, because it was so tight right down to the very end. And um, Dan Ryan's pep talks, they are just... So impressive because that is what got them over the line. I'm sure of it. Um, and it makes me think maybe they've found some solutions to their issues with closing out games because that's another one where, I mean, they've lost a couple this year that have been really tight, but that one to use the crowd, to use that pep talk and for, you know, a couple of super shots to sink and them to, pull away in the end to five goals, which, yes, Magpies were obviously trying to just absolutely find any way to score, um, being so late in the match and then finding themselves down. But, yeah, it was a real seesawing match. Again, it was probably up there with Vixens versus Firebirds in quality um, from the weekend. I think they were the two more high-quality games of netball. Um, And, yeah, they really did find a way to pull that one out. Yeah, I mean, if you weren't ready to run through a wall after Dan Ryan's pep talk, I know. you must have been on mute because, like, <laughs> that was a, it was fantastic. 
I just yeah I love how much access they get as well to be able to bring us that because it almost felt like I could run out on court and achieve this goal even though like there's no way I also found it really interesting because we've talked a lot of it this year about how Dan Ryan is a teacher and in the Mm. huddles he teaches and that was the first time that we've seen and I'm sure there's been other occasions that was the first time we saw him not teach about execution and that Mm. was about finding another gear internally and that is a difference and there are some great coaches who are great teachers and not great motivators and there are some great coaches who are fantastic motivators and not great teachers but to be able to do both is very rarefied air for Dan Ryan. Definitely and I think both uh, types of pep talks are going to be really important as we get to the pointy end of the season but Dan, it was an impressive effort by the Swifts to pull off the the victory that they did against the Giants. So what did you make of that one? Um, It was a very impressive performance. Um, I think one of the things that stood out was that Kelly Singleton was very effective in the first half, which is something that we haven't said every week. And she's often only played a quarter, but she was out there for a half and actually was a thorn in the Giants' side for the first, which was really good to see. Maddie Proud and Paige Hadley might have to check because they might have outstanding rent on Circle Edge. They spend that much time right there, um, which I think is part of what Julie Fitzgerald was trying to change. So we saw in the third term, I think it was, that Jamie Pro- Jamie Lee Price came out of the game and Amy Parmenter shifted into centre and more and more into wing defence. And I thought that was a really interesting way of trying to get arms up and over and someone who's played wing defence in training against someone like Maddie Proud and Paige Hadley try and take back the circle edge because Palmy was playing well. So I understood trying to keep her out there. She was good in the rebound, but she wasn't able to stop proud at circle. So bringing on Lauren Moore kind of made sense. It obviously didn't really work, but I understood why Julie Fitz tried to spin the magnets like that rather than pull Palmy out and throw Amy Sliger out there. Um, But, you know, you live and learn it and it's another week where we can, talk about the fact that Julie Fitz doesn't empty her bench very often. Um, Which, to be fair, the Swifts have not done to the same extent this year. And a lot of teams, especially over the last few weeks, have started to go to a seven or eight player rotation, really. Um, I think the Firebirds haven't made a change in like three weeks in a row. Um, And the Magpies only made one on the weekend. So there is starting to find that settling of lineup so I, I understood what Julie Fitz was there and I think you know there's probably some criticism too because the execution didn't go well Palmy I think had four turnovers in half a quarter but I got the idea behind it which I thought was a really interesting way of attacking Maddie Proud who was on a tear then I guess it's interesting to think about what they're potentially looking at because you're right we don't see it very often from Julie so it's like when she does actually make a change to her lineup what is she trying to achieve? And if it is very specific like that, well, maybe that was the best option on Saturday, on Sunday, and it just didn't come off um, at the time because they were already under the pump. So, like, if you're already under the pump, you're already behind, and you try to make a switch to try and reverse that, it can go one of two ways. And unfortunately, on the weekend, it did make things a little bit tougher. But um, you know, maybe next time she's better equipped and she's she's feeling a bit more confident to go out into centre yeah. against someone like Proud. Well, and Palmy did talk about the fact that she likes getting out into centre from time to time because she's not 
just doing defense, even though we do kind of think of her like that. But I think my favorite line from the press conference was how rapidly Bryony was standing there with Paige Hadley doing the press conference. And she talked Hadley Potter right next to her, just like straight off the cuff. And I was like, wow, that is, that is savage. <laughs> um, Paige uh, ended up, Paige ended up having some glue um, on her eye, at least on Sunday. She didn't have a stitch at the time. I don't know whether that's changed during the week, but the plan wasn't to get a stitch. So hopefully she's all fine and the eyebrows haven't been permanently ruined by running with Lauren Moore's mouth. Uh, it was quite the look on uh, Sunday afternoon as the match finished, just like all the blood pouring out during the match. And then afterwards, just the, the little cut that you could see because they hadn't really covered it too well. Um, oh, they, they, they didn't cover it at all it was there was some glue but like they just wiped the blood off there was no bandage or anything on top of that so in other words I definitely would not have coped seeing that one live anyway <laughs> we'll move on because holy moly we have a lot of netball to talk about not there really. is three games in I think it's about eight or nine days coming up uh starting on this weekend um, with our normal normal Saturday or Sunday matches. Um, but then all the teams have to back it up again on Tuesday and Wednesday. And because, of course, we record this podcast after those matches, we're going to preview for both rounds for you. And then all the players, they get to back it up again the following weekend with another game on either Saturday or Sunday. So, I mean, we get one less than them to worry back for the next week. So let's take that one for granted. But anyway... We'll get into it. Thought we'd have a little bit of fun here. Make up some recipes for success. So we also chose who we'd like to talk about. And Dan, with the first pick, who did you choose? I uh, I wanted to take the Thunderbirds because I think that last weekend was a really interesting match because it showed that they can take any team down to their level. And it's not a high scoring level. It is not a pretty netball level but it is a level at which they can win and I mean we can talk about Shamira Sterling being the recipe for success but um, everyone who's listening also knows that's the case um, and so I thought we'd go a little bit deeper in that it's not yep. just actually Shamira Sterling having two brilliant games over the next eight days seven days five days it is by the time we actually get there um, what I think the key for the Thunderbird success is to take Shamira's gains and deflections and blocks and turn them into goals. If they can turn two thirds of them, 66% into goals, they will probably win. Mm -hmm. It's a, a pretty crazy formula that, you know, 62, 66% probably gets you a win if you convert gains to goal. If they can take Shamira's gains and turn them into goals at two thirds of the time, they'll win. Um, and to do that, I think they need to play clean through the midcourt. Taylor Williams really impressed me over the weekend. In her half and a bit, she was cool, calm and collected. She didn't seem rushed or flustered. And she actually kind of brought a calm to everyone else in there as well, which is a really important part of playing centre. Mm. Um, in that you do kind of influence everyone else to be calm. It's what makes Paige Hadley quite good at it. It's what makes Kate Maloney quite good at it. They, they keep everyone else grounded. And so I'd love to see some Taylor Williams. Um, I'd love to see some Georgie Hodges out in the midcourt as well because she doesn't ever look flustered. 
Um, but we'll see exactly how they unfold that with Tanya Ops. But I think the recipe for success for the Thunderbirds is going to be converting Shamir's gains and deflections into goals. Interesting that you talk about Taylor Williams because she was my most impressive player. Like, I'm not saying she was best on court, but I was most impressed with her game on the weekend. Um, I thought that, and it's something that I picked up when we uh, saw the Thunderbirds play the Swifts, and we did see a little bit of Taylor in that game. Um, I think it was only in the third or fourth quarter for a little bit, but her read of the ball is up with some of the best in netball. The way she knows she can predict where the ball is going and she is not often wrong. Um, we saw on the weekend a few tips and we, we don't always see it on the TV. So that's why I referenced the Swifts game that I did see live because you can just watch her and watch what she like. It'd be like amazing to be in her head and see what she's actually looking for because she has an ability to predict where the ball's going and it helps her um, get tips. It also helps her keep um, in position on court and f- find where she should be. And I think that's so much of what makes her calm out there is bec- because she knows what's going on. You get flustered yeah, when you don't know what's going on. To be able to see a step ahead at the pace and the level of Super Netball is just so impressive, especially for someone with such little exposure to it so far. Exactly. But, yeah, like you say, it's got to be transitioned through the midcourt really cleanly. And if Taylor being on court is part of that, then that's definitely who should be um, in the middle. Uh, but otherwise, whoever's on court, they, they really do have to take it down there because that's what we saw on the weekend is the Lightning weren't able to convert any gains that they did get or many gains that they did get, um, whereas the Thunderbirds were actually for once able to. And and when the Thunderbirds have done it this year, they've been lethal. I mean, round one and two, mm. they were really good at converting gains to goals. During Team Girls Cup, they were good at it. And they've won when they've done it a lot. It's a really simple form. It's a really simple barometer. And like, just take a beat and do it. Rather give up a three seconds than give up a ball from bad hands, honestly. Yep. Or a throw that goes way too far over somebody's head. Would you say that it goes over a third? <laughs> Great point. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, sometimes they have gone over a third, Dan, but other times they've just gone out of court. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it, it, there's, there's a recipe for success. It's a proven recipe for success. If they can continue with it, uh, that'd make people in Adelaide a lot more pleased to be at the netball. Yeah, when, and you'd want to be supporting that on uh, 25 years. So get down there on Wednesday night. Exactly. So you take on someone like Danelle Wallen and hopefully the midcourt control the ball all the way up because uh, I'll buy popcorn for that one. That's going to be a, a really good clash. I'm so excited for that one. Shall we move on to the next team? I think so. Ellie, you had the second pick in the draft. Yes. Which recipe um, are you talking about now? I'm sticking um, here in Victoria. I went with the Vixens. Um, obviously, you have seen them live a few times. Um, but one, I guess, that sort of stood out um, for the first what, eight rounds, um, and she doesn't get a lot of credit for it, is Kate Eddy. Um, she 16 deflections, five intercepts um, across seven games. And you saw when they're... Um, the Vixens played the Magpies um, and Kate Eddie was out. You saw how much they allowed um, Kelsey Brown to get off the leash, which is something you can't do, especially when you come up against a quality play like that. Her ability to shut down um, 
the wing attack is probably one of the best in the competition and I don't think she gets the recognition, but um, I don't think the Vixens are complaining of it because she's going to just fly under the radar and it's not something that many teams look out for. Yeah. I mean, I think Kate Eddy is the prime example of wing defences who don't get the credit mm. that's due, um, but do a monstrous job on wing attacks. And I'm sure that wing attacks are going to go, damn it, the Vixens, Kate Eddy, didn't need that this week. <laughs> Yeah, she's she's a really tough matchup for any wing attack. She, the the defensive play that she does, she as you say, does not get any stats for it. Therefore, well, it does get a few stats, but not not the kind of points that we talk about. Um, and yeah, she often doesn't get the credit because a lot of the credit goes to either the back defenders or the vixens front half. But she's definitely one that if she's on song. The vixens are on song, so massive role to play this week. Yeah, and I mean, those are two big games because they really, mm. I think that the Vixens two matches will have a big impact on the final top four for finals because yeah. the Giants and the Fever both want to be there and so do the Vixens. But, um, you know, we'll talk a bit about the permutations next week after we've had all these games. We'll talk about how the top four looks. But I think that those two games will have a big impact on how we see everything. How do you see them travelling as well? They're both away. That's a big week. And then to have travel to Sydney and then across to Perth, massive task. I mean, it's, it's a big task. I think Brisbane and Perth would be a worse road trip. Mm. Fair. Um, and Sydney is kind of home for the Vixens. They did it for a little while last year in the mini hub. Mm. Um, and so, you know, the, the really tough one will be the midweek Perth trip to have such little time to get there and prepare. That will be a really tough one. Yep, sure will be. And then to get back as well to then host the Swifts. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> we'll talk well, about that Sarah, one. <laughs> you're up next with our recipe book. So whose recipe for success are you going to take us through? I went with the magpies because I think they're really interestingly placed on the ladder. They're obviously very even with all four bottom team or the other three bottom teams, um, but they're all on 12 points and all one win out pending obviously other results, one win out of the top four. And I think that they're possibly the best place to actually make that top four if they can keep playing like they have done the past three weeks. So obviously last weekend was a loss, but I don't think that they should be overly disappointed with it. There was so much positive netball to take from that. Um, and I think it really runs off the energy of Kelsey Brown and Molly Ovic. And I think that their midcourt, their, the energy that they have and the energy they bring to a game is what can drive the rest of the court. So we, we've seen at times the attacking end flow a whole lot better and then at times it not flow particularly well. Um, and then same with the defensive end. We've seen some really strong performances from Ward and Mentor, but then we've also seen some weeks where they're a lot quieter. If the midcourt, though, is up and going, they can make the other two ends up and going and, and get them energised in a game and sort of be the ones to do the extra feeds, to take the extra passes, to transition um, the play down the court. And I think that, again, it's midcourt 
that is where um, the magpies recipes for success will be because um, yes, their front end, <laughs> I wouldn't say is the recipe just because it can be good at times and then quite poor at other times. Um, so and then like a cake in the oven, you put it in and never <laughs> quite sure how it's going to come out. <laughs> Maybe your cakes, but solid baker over here so not going to say that um it's a meringue no baker at all here <laughs> it's a bit of a meringue actually if you yeah. whip the egg whites right <laughs> it'll go in nicely and it'll come out nice and crispy but if you are yes don't get that quite right sloppy mess for a uh, pavlova yeah i mean i think it's i think you need both of them to be on song um Molly yeah. has been on a tear since returning from COVID. She's been in brilliant form. Um, but we know because when she was out with COVID and early in the season when she wasn't hitting her straps, Kelsey can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. um, and it is going to take both of them, especially against the talent of the midcourts they're coming up against, which we say kind of like there aren't talented midcourts at every club in Super Netball, which there really are. Um, but I think they're both going to need to be on song for it to work. Right, so the last time the Magpies played the Firebirds, they did win by eight. Solid effort, solid win. Um, and then the Giants, it was a 15-goal loss, but the Magpies the of COVID. were without four, four, three of their starters and their rotational um, shooter. So they were without four of their main players and they lost by 15. Not the end of the world. Not great, but not the end of the world. Um, and that was after they were, they were backing up after a solid performance against the Lightning where they did win, running on a lot of adrenaline. So I think stay healthy. Now that's a given when I was saying that's a recipe for success because that's, you know, always going to be a recipe for success. But, um, yes, if Molly can continue on the path she's on post-COVID, how some people, like, recover from COVID so quickly and then have the lung capacity to just run out a full game of netball and be at the high octane that she is um impressive and then kelsey yes if she can continue to have uh, to continue the season that she's having honestly it has been a really impressive one and we've spoken so much about her efforts this season and how they perhaps haven't been rewarded as some of us saw fit um she's still you know having a great season and she's energetic pacey and she's got, got a bit of a challenge with the firebirds because they are a very fast moving team Who's next? I look forward to seeing how that recipe turns out for the magpies. Um, <laughs> we're back around to me. Um, and I think we'll have one more and then a break because I need a break from all this recipe talk. Um, but the we need to put things recipe... in the oven and leave them for a bit. <laughs> well, see, I'm not a baker. I'm a, I'm a chef, like a cook. I, um, it's, it's all art, no science, just like a little bit of that, a little bit of this. And what the giants need is a little bit more shooter to shooter. Uh, because when the Sophie Dwyer, Joe Hart and connection has been on, the Giants have been on fire. Um, all their big wins have been highlighted by almost like the shooters having their eyes closed and knowing where the other is. That chemistry has been right back to where it was last year. And it's been what's driven them to wins. And when teams have managed to slow down or shut down that shooter to shooter connection, um, in the case of the T-Birds earlier in the season where Sophie Dwyer wasn't even on the court because she was out with COVID. 
the Swiss last weekend also were a team that really shut down that connection. They made a point of it. Um, the Giants have struggled to score, whereas you look at a match like the Fever, where Bruce and Ayang didn't shut down the shooter to shoot a connection. It was living for days, and I mean the Giants feasted. And so I think that that's really key for them if they can keep the shooter to shooter connection going really strong and, and find a way to work the defensive circle the way that they want. They should win both their games, um, or at least one of be very competitive. Um, but that will be the interesting recipe for success for me. Interesting, because I, like that combination is one that I'm very jealous of, the way that they just have this connection that has been formed in just under two years in terms of um, actual playing court time at Suncorp Super Netball level. But um, they just seem to know where each other's going to be and their games, despite being so similar, also complement each other so nicely. Um, but, yeah, if they can keep that going which they've had a couple of games this year of very good connection um between Harton and Dwyer um yeah if they can keep that going who knows how high they could climb especially if they start with a win over the Vixens this weekend yeah it will be interesting to see but I think that's their key to success their recipe I have to I have to say it. it's going to be an interesting weekend in netball with the Giants taking on the Vixens. That's yes, a game to look forward to for sure um, on Saturday night. Yes. So, mm. anyway, we'll take a little halftime break, pop things in the oven. You know, not that Dan does that because he doesn't bake. Um, but <laughs> you, we'll throw over to you though because your matchup of round nine. So we'll split this in half because we do have two rounds that we're covering here. But round nine. Who's it going to be? Yeah, so round nine, we're bringing the spice for the matchup of the round. That's how we're adding to this recipe thing because <laughs> it may not be a matchup we see on court all night, but Helen Houseby and Shamira Sterling in the same circle is must-watch TV. Um, for anyone who doesn't remember what happened last time, that was the start of Helen's week of words. Um, words. Where she, she had words with Kate Schumann about five days later from memory. Um, so that was a week of words, but um, we have it on good authority that there were some uh, pleasantries shared between Shamira and Helen last time they were out on court in Adelaide. And I think that depending on how they go this weekend will be a big key to who wins, because if Helen can hold Shamira at bay, it'll go a long way for the Swifts and it will help Sophie Fawns and Kelly Singleton mm. stay involved in the game because that's the big struggle with Someone like Shamir, and if Shamir gets on top, well, uh, hold on to your lunch because it's going to be a close one. Hold on to your lunch. I'm going to add to this matchup and say that the the spice additionally should be added from Sarah Clow at the other end of the court because apparently words between oh, her yes. and Lenny were well and truly shared as well. Um, I think there were words all over the court that night. I don't think anyone was afraid to throw a few. And then you add the spice of that and the um, Sydney crowd who um, dances on the afraid oh, to the start booing. They are. <laughs> I mean, it's because they are feral in the sense that they will boo the umpires <laughs> relentlessly, mercilessly and regularly. But I haven't yet seen them turn on a player. Like even Ooh. when Kate Walsh and Sophie Fawns were going at it, no one was booing Kate Walsh on court. It doesn't, it doesn't get see. personal like it does in some of the football crowds. 
Um, I saw but, it in Melbourne this weekend. The um, Vixens crowd weren't too happy with Danelle Wallum and they started booing. <laughs> no, not Danelle. Not Danelle. I, I, I don't think, think that... they can boo Shamira of all people either. Like, she's just like no, this happy, could... smiley. No, but I could see um, this game getting very feisty and loud because it always does. And a loud Sydney crowd riding the high of last week's big win. Oh, yeah. Um, that's even more spice to this matchup. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be must-watch yeah. TV. I'm not guaranteeing quality netball because last time these two teams played, yeah. it was like low-scoring. It was, <laughs> it was bad. Like, it was not great netball. It was a great game to watch, but it was not pretty netball. But um, I don't need pretty netball if I have some popcorn and I can watch this one. And neither of these teams have done pretty netball much this season. <laughs> no. But they have been exciting to watch most weeks. Mm-hmm. So yes. that's a matchup of the round. But should we get into the second half of our recipe book? Second half of the recipe book, we turn to Ellie again. Who's it going to be this time? Yep. Absolutely um, no surprises. No. I've gone with the, <laughs> I've gone with the um, Firebirds. Um, I think one, especially it was a game against the Magpies that um, – probably put this into perspective, the way that the Magpies were able to shut down Greta Buweather and Kim Revalian. Mm-hmm. Um, I think proved how, of course, they're important players, but you take, you nullify their impact and you see how much it falls to, it falls to pieces. Um, so if I get up my handy statistics here, um, from the eight games played, Kim Revalian's had, she's had 132 assists, Two intercepts and ten deflections, while Gretel has um, shooting at an eighty percent accuracy rate, um, eleven rebounds and one fifty eight goals, um, and that's um, just in the circle. And we've seen the mammoth of work she does outside the circle. So the way that the Magpies were able to stop those two um, sort of gave the rest of the competition a recipe book. A plan to um beat the beat the Firebirds. I haven't seen it as much since that match, but um, yeah. It, if you shut those two down, then I don't see the Firebirds winning. We know what you have to do, but actually going out and doing it <laughs> is the tricky part. <laughs> yeah. So um, Nicole Richardson said um post match against the after the game against the Firebirds, she said, um, you, the way they did it was they stopped um, Gretel from being so free-flowing. So they um, were sort of a bit in your face and they tried to, their aim was to try and suffocate them across the transverse line, um, as mm-hmm. well as you've got to show that um, Gretel, that you've got, make a presence felt out there. So get on the body because if you give her, that bit of room then you can see what she does especially with those layouts and things like that so um yeah that's the way that the magpies do that I haven't again it's easier said than done but um there is a team that's been able to do it and it's going to be interesting because um a key factor in that last time these two teams met was um Zoe Davies and she's not going to be out there this weekend it will be interesting I mean it's 
it's interesting in the sense that I think the Firebirds are sometimes one of the simplest teams to understand how they, they play well and what they do and what mm-hmm. you have to do to stop them. But actually executing the understanding is the very difficult part against two of the informed netballers of the world at the moment, really. Which what is what makes the Firebirds so impressive so far this season is that they haven't really been stopped by, any, like there's a couple of teams that have managed to stop them, but not many. Um, and I wouldn't say the Vixens did that, executed that plan at all on the weekend. I think they had a different plan and their plan came off by two goals, but um, the Magpies had a plan that came off by a few more than that. So it'll be interesting to yeah. see if they've learned from that game against the Magpies and sort of looked at the tape and looked at how they could then implement plan B, which is not as fast and not as going through Rav and Vueta quite so much because when you stop them, you don't want to have your whole team stopped just by stopping two players. Yeah, well, we might throw to our master baker for uh, another recipe for success. Sarah, who's up next? I chose the Swifts. Again, because I see potential in this recipe. <laughs> um, a little bit hard to pick recipes for teams that are winning most of their games. So we've got to go for someone that's being challenged. Um, and a team that's being challenged is the Swifts. But they're also challenging teams. And we saw that in the Derby on the weekend and the way that they executed their game plan. And um, they did it by stopping a couple of players. And I think that that is one of the keys but their recipe for success, and I think that this was shown most in the first half of the game on the weekend, was Kelly Singleton. When they have a goal circle that they can make fully functioning for a half of netball, they put themselves in a really solid position to win a game of netball. Um, whether it's Kelly, whether it's um, Sophie, whoever it is, with Helen, obviously, because we're not taking Helen Housie off court, um, is is the recipe. It, it's that combination has to execute for probably more than a half against most teams, to be fair. But um, if they can have a really impressive half that then sets them up to have a fairly solid second half, they'll, they'll actually challenge and they'll possibly t- steal a few more wins. And who knows what can happen. But, yeah, I think that there's plenty of recipes out there for the Swifts. They've dabbled in a few this season um, just because they've had to through circumstance. But their defence is really solid. Um, Their midcourt is very impressive. Diamonds, potential diamonds players. Um, And then it's, it's their shooting end that's been the question mark all season for obvious reasons. Um, and when it comes off, it comes off quite well. And last time we saw against the Thunderbirds, that Sophie Fawns and Helen Housby combination worked for a little while and then they threw Kelly in there and it, it worked a little bit and then it didn't and then they swapped it again. And I think that maybe that's a turning point on the weekend where they, they can sort of work out how to use that rotation a bit better, maybe. Maybe it was just a plan for the Giants and this, the Thunderbirds is a complete different kettle of fish, but um, I mean, that's where it's at. Timmy McDonald and Shamira Sterling are two very different goalkeepers. Yeah, obviously. Um, but, but I think you're right. I think that um, having a functioning shooting circle makes all the difference. And I think that the feeding in has also 
improved because they're not just feeding into this really tall player who can just jump up and get the ball and bring it down and then throw it in the ring. Um, They're dealing with a a bit more of a moving circle. And so we saw on the weekend 57 feeds for Maddie Proud from memory, which is a lot. Um, And 30-something goal assists as well. So when they're going through um, and feeding really well, it's coming off quite nicely. Um, they need to do a bit more of that as well. And I think that that has developed over the past few weeks, especially. Well, and the Swiss have started to get those triangles going in attack mm. as well, which is going to make life so much easier for them if they can keep that going because it works so well. There's a reason that, you know, it's a really basic concept is because it's very hard to stop. Exactly. And I think it's that connection between shooter and also between um, the feeder that can actually swing a ball really effectively. Um, if you do it too slowly, if you do it too fast, it doesn't come off. But if you get it just right, um, which the Swifts did on the weekend, and we, we've seen quite a bit of vision of it because it is just beautiful to watch <laughs> when it actually comes off. Um, so more of that as well. But that, again, re- relies on that shooter-to-shooter combination working nicely. We're back around to you, Dan. We are. And um didn't have a lot to choose from and light- it's still picked. See, the Lightning are a really interesting team for me because they have the talent to really beat teams that in theory. Like they have the core of a very talented team. They have added some very good players this year. And at different times we've seen even the smaller names like Riley Batchelder and Annie Miller's star. Mm. I mean, I saw it firsthand at Ken Roseball not that long ago. Um, but there was a moment on the weekend against the T-Birds that I think symbolised everything that's gone wrong for the T-Bird, uh, for the Lightning this year. And it was, as you talked about, when Riley Batchelder came on court in the first quarter. Because Shamira Sterling had a, an incredible block on... Bachelor's first super shot, it would have been about two centimeters out of the hand. But what I picked up is that around the court, Bachelor's shoulders dropped, Cassidy's shoulders dropped, mm-hmm. Sharon's shoulders dropped, Hinch lifts, and you know, all the way down the court, the shoulders dropped and the energy came out. And Lani have been beaten up this year. They've lost by 28 goals three times. They've, you know, they barely scored 40 goals last week. I mean, they are not scoring well. They're not really putting up a fight. And what I think they need to do is they actually need to put up a fight. I mean, you can't let the shoulders drop when things like that happen because they're going to happen. This league is too talented for it to be a cakewalk. And the Lightning have had their fair share of challenges this year trying to add four players into their roster but they cannot let the bad moments get to them. That's the big difference. And that's what's killing them at the moment is that they allow themselves to get deflated when things go wrong. And that's, it's a really simple recipe. I mean, that's a recipe that goes back to under 10. You know, you keep trying when it's not going your way, but, and look, this is not to say by any stretch that the lightning players are not putting in maximum effort because mm. they are, but there's an enthusiasm missing when things aren't going it and they just need to find it. Because if they want to salvage their season, they can't, they're good enough. And this league is close enough that they can make finals if they try and if they get on a roll, but they're going to have to find a, a sterner stock if they want to do it. 
Definitely. I think that um, that was really early for the shoulders to drop as well. It was the first quarter. If the shoulders are dropping after halftime and, you know, you're down by 20 goals, that's kind of like kind of understandable in a way because you are so far behind, like the, the, the chances of you actually clawing back that margin are so low. But this is the first quarter. It's one block. That's you know, and how it, it just it went downhill. 20 goals. Mm, exactly. That, that, it, it's one block that goes bad and deflects everyone. And then it's the other team center pass. And now it's two goals. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you're trying a little bit extra hard and it's th- and four. And, and all of a sudden the shoulders are out because you're four goals down. And that's what's killed them this year. You mentioned Annie Miller and she came on during the game and brought another level of energy that no one else had on court. <laughs> she was basically running <laughs> her own game in the middle because, um, yeah, but, I mean, the defenders were picking up a few balls more so just because the Thunderbirds were throwing them away. Um, and then, yes, it was it was Annie Miller in the midcourt that was, was running the show and um, keeping some of the fans <laughs> up in the Sunshine Coast interested and invested because that crowd went very quiet. Uh, as the Thunderbirds sort of got on a roll there. But, um, yeah, definitely need to keep the energy up. And, yes, as you say, it's not to say that they're, they're not giving their all and they're not putting in the effort, but um, you, you've got to keep showing up when things are a bit tougher. Our final recipe, and this is one that has found the stern stuff, Ellie. It was hard to, they've been so good in, um, over the last few years. Obviously, I'm talking about the West Coast fever. Um, but it's obviously hard to pick just one thing because so many things have gone right for them this year. But I've picked the um, frontline combination of, so you've obviously got Janelle Fowler in Goldshire, you've got Sasha Glasgow in Goal Attack, and then you've got, um, she's been an absolute revelation this season, but Al- Alice Teague kneeled out in Wing Attack. I think having... Like, they were all good last year, but I think having a settled goal circle um, has worked wonders for the Fever this year. Um, Pull up the stats. uh, 61 goals for Fowler, which is probably normal, but you've had five super shots alone coming from Sasha Glasgow, and I think she really kept, um, with those super shots, kept as the Fever were close, but I think to sort of get in front and sort of pull the wind out of the magpie sails and then 35 goal assists from Alice Tegnield and 48 feeds. And you've seen when um, teams like the Vixens, when they stopped, were able to um, stop Janelle Fowler with um, Liv Lewis coming on, how um, how sort of the game sort of starts to fall apart around them from there. Um, so, yeah, I think that's their recipe for success. There's obviously so many that... Um, things going right but I think that's probably one that stood out especially the way that team the Vixens have stopped Fowler um obviously that's an easy pick but um yeah that's what I've gone with where is the justice for star goal attack Emma Kosh where is it? <laughs> star goal attack look she was a star when she played goal attack for a, a solid half of netball but um yes maybe we should throw her in the front end there as well the players that Ellie listed. But I, I think you're right. I mean, that fever attack end has been devastating this year. They've been so effective. And it, it has been because we know, and I think they know they've got pretty clearly defined roles um, when everyone's healthy. Mm. 
including Emma Kosh as an injection late in games in one of those positions. And I think that that has just helped with everyone feeling a bit more comfortable and testing themselves in, in new ways. But um, they have been very good this year. They've also scored so highly. Like they have piled on the goals, whether that's Sasha's two-point shots or whether that's just bombing it into Janelle and getting a really quick goal in about five seconds of netball. They have got over 70 goals six times and the two times they were under 70 goals, they still beat the Thunderbirds, but that's not hard because the Thunderbirds don't really score over 50. Um, And they lost to the Vixens, which was the game you're talking about where Liv Lewis had an impact. But otherwise, um, they obviously had that loss. Throat stompers. Yeah, that's what they probably should be called. <laughs> they, they, they there's no mercy on. in their no. green machine. No. I mean, they've had some close contests, the Magpies, and then they obviously lost to the Giants as well just by one. Um, and, like, they only just pulled away from the Firebirds, but they've absolutely stomped a few teams too. And I think that that's going to keep them in a really strong position to be at the very top of the table and then get that home final, which I think is honestly what they're looking for because they are going to enjoy the home, the run of home games or the, yeah, the many home games they have in the second half. The, the most important home presence in all of Nepal is the giant playing pick, right? We're all yeah, agreeing yeah, on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what makes them so intimidating at home is because there's this giant pig just floating above the court you, you can say like you know you'll beat the fever when pigs fly and then you see the pig flying and the <laughs> fever still win that's got to be yeah. disheartening like that's got to hurt um yeah i really did enjoy um sitting down at mother's day lunch scrolling through twitter and there's pictures of um the flying pig which is obviously um probably one of the best assets to a stadium itself in netball also, just like that Perth home crowd, home crowd is a pretty parochial bunch. They're uh, rivaling Ken Rosewall for the loudest and most obnoxious home fans, I think. I think they might be. They do have, they do uh, like Saturday Night Fever and like, you know, other things like that throughout the year as well, which is um, really fun. And they obviously, being over in Perth, they, they do love sort of, they're all really proud Western Australians and they all love to get around their sport. So, um, they definitely show up at the netball, that's for sure. Shall yeah. we move on to our final little segment? And that is your matchup for round 10, because we've reached the end yeah, of the so game. We have. And it's crazy to think that, you know, we've got eight matches in five days. A lot of work. <laughs> but something that is there to look forward to is the Gia mentor Joe Harton matchup, which is the second last match of this block. Um, the All England, it's not the tennis club, it's the All England goal circle matchup because we've got goalkeeper and goal shooter. Um, and I think it's going to be great to see. I mean, they're both pressing for a spot. There's both, for both of them, there's a bit of competition for their starting spot in the Roses. Mm. Ellie Cardwell and George Fisher are having stronger seasons and goal shooter. And of course, there's crosstown rival Helen Houseby, who's always a chance. Um, and at the other end, I mean, Chief has 
biggest goalkeeper competition is probably up the highway at Ebony Usora Brown, who has been fantastic this year and played herself into a great spot. So this is maybe one that Jess Thirlby will be keeping an eye on. Everyone in England netball will be going, well, who's who's really on song here? Um, but I think that that's going to make it a fun matchup. Plus these two titans of our game know each other so well, know each other's game so well, have played against each other for years. So it always makes it fun. What a special matchup to look forward to on Wednesday night, just to round out. I mean, it's not the last game of the round of the, the week, but it's the second last and it's, it's something to look forward to. With so much netball going on, you know, to sit down and watch that on Wednesday night will be, um, yeah, really special because, as you say, they do know each other's games so well. They've played against each other, with each other for so many years now. Um, it's always great to see what they can still pull out against each other and how they can still sort of throw each other off their game um, because they have had so much experience doing it. Sometimes one of them can just get a bit of an edge over the other and that makes it really exciting. Um, down in Tassie too. So Tassie get a little treat there. They get the double. They get the double, double yeah. Double game this week. And we know how um, lethal the Magpies have been in Tassie over recent years as well. Yeah, and of course, be remiss not to mention that there is two pride there. There are two pride matches this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. We have our traditional pride fixture of the Magpies and Firebirds down in Tassie. And we also have, in a very exciting turn of events, the Lightning and Fever matching up for a pride match at USC Stadium on Saturday to start the round. Um, so it's a really exciting step. Um, obviously, to have two pride matches is, is big. Um, and we are hopeful that netball continues to be an inclusive place for everyone. Hopefully the next step is to have a uh, pride round. Mm-hmm. And maybe a game yeah. in Melbourne for you, Ellie, so that you can actually yeah. attend yeah. one of these. Because yeah. <laughs> I know when it when it was announced that it was going to be in Tassie, I was like, bummer, it's going to be in Tassie, not in Melbourne. But it's they do every love single year. I, I reckon it's a lack of commitment for you not swimming across to there. Like, come on. Do you really want to go? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Funny you say that. Um, so we were talking about over Mother's Day lunch and mum's like, do you want to go to Tassie? I'm like, yes, I want to go to Tassie. And then um, she realised quite later that probably not and probably she had a few too many wines. So, um, yeah. We love that. <laughs> we're, not going to Tassie. we're not going to Tassie this weekend because... Um, yeah, my sister's been trying to get to um, force the family to as many Collingwood games as possible. Collingwood and Vixen's games. So mum's like, yeah, why don't we go to Tassie? I'm like, yes, please. And then, um, yeah, no. found out like too good to be true. So, yeah, and it's annoying because every time Collingwood play, the last two years Collingwood play the Firebirds, it's always in Tassie. I just want two fixtured games in Melbourne. Um, play, play someone else in Tassie because I want to see my team. <laughs> play the Thunderbirds in Tassie. Yeah. Should, should we do a lightning round of tips for these eight games? See how we go in, in 10 days' time? Let's do it. 10 days? We're doing this again in seven days, right? <laughs> eight. Eight. We're doing this in eight days. <laughs> okay. Go for it. So we've got lightning fever. Fever. 
Fever. Fever. Uh, Giants, Vixens. Giants. Uh, I'm going to go Vixens. Uh, Pies, Firebirds. 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 Pies. Uh, Swifts, T-Birds. Swifts. Thunderbirds. Swifts. And then in round 10, so we haven't agreed on any yet. In round 10, we've got Lightning Swifts. 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 We're all agreed there. Uh, fever Vixens. Fever. Fever under the flying pig. Yeah, under the flying I'm going pig. I'm fever as well. Uh, pies Giants in Tassie. Giants. Magpies. Giants, and then the Battle of the Birds to finish off. Firebirds. Firebirds. Come on. Firebirds as well. <laughs> I think <the> <laughs> well, I tried to convince be... you in thirty seconds. <laughs> but that's good. Good rapid, and we'll um we'll come back to those. I think. We'll see. We'll see how we go. I'm not sure about those tips. There's a couple there that are a little bit too close. Um, Giants versus Vixens is one. Uh, Fever versus Vixens is the other. So I think it's a really, actually a really big week for the Vixens because, yeah, if one or both get dropped, it puts them in a really precarious position. But if they can get both, they are going to be, yeah, really nice at the top of the table there. I think that does it, though. Yep. We, <laughs> we need a breath before we come back. Yeah, we've got a lot of netball to look forward to, but uh, we will take a little breath. We'll watch a lot of netball. We'll cover a lot of netball on edgeofthecrowd.com. Um, and then we'll be back end of next week, post both round nine and round 10 to debrief. And then also look ahead to round 11 matches, which will start just a couple of days after we record. So plenty of netball to watch in the next week and a half so do do jump on that and do watch that because uh it's going to be really telling to see how the ladder ends up after this condensed little period yep. thank you for joining me ellie and dan pleasure as always uh, you can check out our netball stories at Edge of the Crowd. As for Over a Third Podcast, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Over a Third Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube, please click the follow button because we'll be back next week to debrief plenty of netball.